You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. In this episode of Talking Taiwan, I'm speaking with Brian Foden. We're welcoming Brian back on as a guest after discovering his lost episode that was recorded 10 years ago. Originally from Canada, he's been living in Taiwan for over 20 years now. We spoke about what Taiwan was like when he first arrived, how it's changed, and what life is like for him these days. Brian is a writer, editor, and a part-time newscaster at ICRT. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Oh, thanks, Felicia. We were looking through our archives, and we found an interview of you that wasn't released, and it's about 10 years old, and we thought it would be fun to release this interview and a few a few of the other guests and have them back on so that they could give us an update as to what they've been doing all this time. And so how long have you been in Taiwan at this point? Uh, well, I, I first came in 1999, and so it's 23 years now. Wow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. When, I, when, I, when I came to Taiwan and people would tell me they've been here, you know, 20 years, I would go, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't even spend half as long there. I spent about six or seven years there. Oh, okay. Um, when like, was that? I, I went back in 2001. Mm. Yeah. Um, right before 9-11 happened um, because uh -huh. I'm in New York now. And that's where I was when I first moved to Taiwan and I'm back there now. Um, oh, okay. And I have to, yeah, and I have to ask you, how are things now? Uh, we are still in a pandemic and Taiwan's government has recently switched to a policy of living with COVID. Um, how is life there? Yeah, well, COVID's kind of out of control here now. Uh, after two years of really being in a bubble of just, you know, almost no case. I mean, there, we had periods, you know, of, uh, of no cases at all, you know, in the last two years. Uh, sometimes we would, it would flare up. We'd get maybe 50, 100 cases. And then last May, a year ago, then that was kind of our first big scare. Uh, we had like a few hundred cases. And that was, there was a, that was like, that's when it kind of hit us. That was, and that was like 2021, right? So from basically 2020 to 2021, we, we were like almost scot-free off, you know, like uh, we were watching it, you know, like we we're watching it on TV, like the rest of the world was, was out there and we were in our bubble and like, we, you know, we were still wearing masks. And uh, as, as you know, the Taiwanese public is very uh, conscious about health and, and they wear masks anyway, you know, even before COVID, right? To, if right. they had a cold or a flu to avoid infecting mm -hmm. others and, and whatnot. Um, so it's part of the culture. But um, yeah, we were like, yeah, it's like we, we felt almost immune to it in a sense, but it was all because of the early intervention that the government uh, put in into place and they really clamped down. You got to give them, you got to give them uh, kudos and credit for that. They really did a, a stand up job, uh, an amazing job for the last couple of years. But, you know, COVID's evolved to the point uh, where it's so contagious now and the rest of the world is going one way and, uh, you know, which is, you know, relaxation of rules and, if, if I think if you know, I, I have no insight to this, but you know, they're, they're pretty good medical professionals here. Uh, and they're looking at probably what's going on around the rest of the world and what the other governments are doing, except for China, of course. Um, <laughs> and they're, I'm sure they're following that and taking that into account and saying, you know, well, you know, what can we do? Right. Uh, I use an analogy a lot of the times talking to my friends, you know, like how long can Taiwan 
you know, keep their finger in the dam, you know, mm-hmm. before it bursts, right? And, mm-hmm. and the dam has burst, I think. And then, but, but it's coupled with a, with a decision, like you said, like Taiwan has uh, decided to live with COVID. Uh, so they're relaxing the rules. At the same time, the cases are skyrocketing. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have 85,000 cases in one day just recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been yesterday. Um, you know, 65,000, you know, going from almost like zero, like, you yeah. know, right up and, and we're in the tens yeah. of thousands and it's just right. like, you know, a lot of people are scared, but you know, a lot of people at the same time are, are, you know, of the opinion that, well, it's time to live with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're in a wholly, uh, completely different world than we were a few months ago here. Yeah. And I heard that there's um, a lot of problems getting rapid test kits. Is that? There have been. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, uh, uh, there's been a lot of criticism. It's just kind of like uh, maybe the government wasn't quite ready for it. They didn't properly roll them out. And there was promises mm-hmm. made apparently that, that, that maybe they overpromised. Um, but, you know, interestingly, there is a, 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 a as you as you may know, I still work at ICRT on the weekend on, on Saturday. So I was reading mm-hmm. I was reading a story on, on the news uh, just last Saturday where uh, one pharmacist was kind of forced to apologize for spreading um <clears throat> kind of fear about uh the lack i think it was a lack of uh, uh test kits and he, he was in danger of prosecution because i guess maybe uh he, he he overstated the case or something so he overstated the shortage yeah he apologized for it i, okay. I think there was a lot of heat that came down yeah, on sure. uh, and sure. maybe his facts weren't quite mm. correct mm-hmm. uh I'm just going from this news story that I that I, sure. that I saw and read on the on, on the news actually, and um, it, so it may be a case where it's uh, a little bit overstated, uh, but I'm sure there were some concerns and, and and there were I mean I did talk to people who couldn't get them so there definitely yeah. was a, sh- a shortage mm-hmm. of them, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of growing pains you know and I, I think the, the government has said they've ramped it up they've got they're getting saliva kits I think they now have the saliva right. test kits now okay. and you can get them at Seven Eleven and Family yeah, I heard Mart. That. And, other mm-hmm. convenience stores. So mm-hmm. I think it's a case where the growing pains, maybe they were caught a bit flat footed. I don't know. Sure. Uh, but I think they've, they're ramping things up. They're pretty good at, at, at terms of, you know, correcting and, and ramping things up. How does that contrast to when Taiwan was like a safe haven? The term COVID refugees comes to mind. A lot of people sought refuge in Taiwan in the early part of the pandemic. And Taiwan was one of the only places in the world that had professional sports with the baseball. We covered that in one of our episodes. Uh, what was it like yeah. during that time? What were those days oh. like? Well, those days were the, uh, you know, they, they were the good times for sure. Like we, <laughs> we felt considerably lucky. Uh, we, we felt we were the luckiest people on earth in a sense. Uh, like, like, and we, everybody was praising the government and saying what a great job they were doing and, uh, I think there was even a sense of superiority to some degree, like how you know how sure. how well Taiwan did it, and it put us on the map, you know, uh, yes. a little bit like in the health. And it was like, you know, how can the how can the WHO, you know, ignore us and uh, and and you know when we're doing such a great job, for example. Yeah, um, sure. But and, and you know, I, I would go out. You know, I, I felt fairly fairly safe, actually, quite safe. You know, I'd go to bars, go, you know, have pub quizzes, you know, with my friends in a bar, and mm-hmm. I would go out not really worrying at all, really, because we had no cases for a long time, or maybe right. there was a dozen cases one day or something. But then, and then another day there'd be no, and then we'd have long, long stretches of no local 
cases. Mm -hmm. You know, they would be imported cases, but uh, local cases, zero sometimes. And and like we we felt we were like bulletproof. Um, So you can imagine this has hit us pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. It's 65, real, real 85,000 cases in one day. That's, yeah. that's hitting. That's hitting. You know, my wife is Taiwanese. And mm-hmm. uh, so she's quite, she doesn't want me to go anywhere. <laughs> to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Right. Um, but do you still go into work or do you work remotely? Well, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, like, I have a lot of, like, part-time jobs. And, and, mm-hmm. and like, uh, I'm sort of a, a glorified freelancer, I guess, because I do, I do have some freelance work that I just do at home anyway. And yeah. I do have, I teach online. I teach business English to, to mm-hmm. different companies mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a number of students. I do, I, I, I do some writing. I do some ESL material writing. Um, so kind of a, a jack of all trades a bit there. Uh, but I do have a professional background in that. But uh, so anyway, uh, I, to answer your question, uh, it's a mix. Like, uh, Sure. When I do go, I go to a publishing company twice a week, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, and work there into their office because mm-hmm. they, unlike some companies, uh, this publishing company I work for on a part-time basis, purely part-time, uh, as, as well as freelance. They give me freelance mm-hmm. uh, that I do at home. Uh, but I do go to their office. They've decided not to work from home. They did, they did a year mm-hmm. ago, last May. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. when, when we had the first mega outbreak, but that was uh-huh. only in the hundreds. Uh, we did that for about three months with that company. Some companies now are are doing uh, some uh, are are asking their their uh, employees to stay at home. A lot of companies are, but 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 I a see. lot of companies aren't either. So yeah. now, of course, so I, uh, Wednesdays and uh, Fridays I go I go into the publishing office, and then on Saturdays I go to the studio at ICRT and, and, right. and read my newscast. Yeah. Right. Right. And I understand you have a long history with ICRT because listening to that interview, you mentioned that you started there in, was it in 2002? It was earlier, 2000, May of 2000. Okay. And I worked there full time mm -hmm, uh, until 2004, mm -hmm. about August of 2004, Mm -hmm, roughly. mm July, August. Mm-hmm. And, and I was full time. And mm-hmm. uh, my job there was uh, morning, uh, morning show, morning news show producer. We, at that time, we had an hour long news program. Okay. And it was anchored by Bill Thiessen, who's since uh, deceased. I don't know if you knew Bill at all. Quite a nice guy mm-hmm. and, and uh, good, good newscaster, good, good, mm-hmm. uh, good uh, news reader. Um, and quite well known too. But anyway, um, so after, after, so my job was to, to make sure the show was running on time, you know, time out the segments, make sure everything was going smoothly. And also read a, I was reading a five minute uh, business newscast during that mm-hmm. hour. And then later we would alternate uh, like five minute top of the hour newscasts mm-hmm. as well. I left in 2004 because okay. I was tired of getting up early, early in the morning. I, I, I had a five o'clock start. So yeah. I had to wake up around four o'clock in the morning and I just, uh, I did. I was dragging my bum around all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you, at some point you returned. Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Tim Berge, the general manager now of uh, SRT, he's been, he's been the GM for quite a while now. Um, I met him at an event uh, back in 2012 or 11. Uh-huh. I think it was 12. And uh, yeah, I just saw him there. He says, Hey, we're looking for, for somebody to uh, work work one day on the weekend, they had another guy, Eric Smith, I think it was. Uh-huh. He was doing the 
the uh, the Saturday newscast, right? Okay. And so they said, "Oh, we knew we you know because they didn't have anybody on Sundays." And he says, "You want to come back and just work on Sundays?" And I, at first, I wasn't sure because I didn't you know, kind of you know yeah. disrupt your weekend. But then I thought, well, you know, yeah. I do like it, and I'm not really doing any journalism. And I do have a background in journalism. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I went to journalism school in Vancouver, and I worked for some uh, major well some daily newspapers and one major mm-hmm. daily, two major daily newspapers in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I kind of, you know, I do have that, still have that that itch a little bit of, of, of the news itch, but, you know, I, I don't do too much. I just, now I'm basically a news reader. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I thought about it. No, okay. So I came back and then, uh, so I was working Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. I was working Sundays. Sunday. And then, and then the guy, Eric uh, Smith, he, he left and they asked me if I wanted to work both days. I said, no, I don't want to work. I don't want to complete <laughs> right. my whole weekend because I'm, you know, sure. I'm doing these other jobs yeah. right? uh, yeah. during the week. Uh, so I'm pretty uh, funny schedule. But so I said, no, but I, I would I'd like to work Sundays instead of Saturdays. Is that a, 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 no, I'd, I'd rather work Saturdays instead of Sundays to get my, get my oh, facts okay. mixed up there. So I changed <laughs> for the last several years. I've been working Saturdays instead of Sundays. So I come in. Ten in the morning, uh, and I do top of the hour five minute newscast, eleven to four. I record a one minute uh, five five o'clock headlines, and then I'm out. I'm out of there a, a little after four, and so that's my okay. Saturday. Oh, okay, that's good. And you don't have to start at five a.m. <laughs> no, I. I uh, it's kind of like when I left. I don't know if you know Canada at all. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, you know what? I grew up in Canada. I grew up in Where? Ottawa. In Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay. How, how, okay. I have some friends in Ottawa. I have a friend in Ottawa. Yeah. Good friend. Oh, okay. I've never been there. I've never been to Ottawa. Oh, really? Yeah. Never. No, I, my, yeah. I have family there. I grew up there. And then um, I went to University of Illinois and in New York. So at this point, my, I've spent most of my life in New York, but I, I did mm. grow up in Canada. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know how cold the winter. I guess the winters get pretty cold. What's the coldest oh, the winters yeah. get in Ottawa? What does it go yeah, down to minus forty? You can't 40 get or? negative twenty something. Okay. Well, that's not too sure. bad. Minus twenty. When you live in Saskatchewan, uh, I lived in southern Saskatchewan, the uh-huh. capital city there, Regina, uh-huh. Uh-huh, and right. um, uh, minus twenty on some winter days is actually pretty good. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> because it would well, get down. To- Minus 40. I mean, it could. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Minus 40. Yeah. It, it, you yeah. get stretches of minus 35, minus 40. And, oh, and then yeah. I, I, I spent about seven and a half years there as in, mm-hmm. working at a newspaper. Oh, wow. I, was, I was working for a newspaper there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I vowed after I left it, I went, I went, I moved and I got a job at a newspaper in uh, mm-hmm. Nanaimo, British Columbia, near Van, right. on Vancouver uh, Island. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, after I left Saskatchewan, I vowed I vowed never to live in a climate like that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I understand there seems to be a lot of Canadians from Saskatchewan in Taiwan, I feel. There are, there are. Yeah, there are. that's yeah. very interesting. I don't yeah. know why they yeah, know, there's I know a lot of recruiting. One or two guys from Saskatchewan. Sorry? Sorry? Yeah, you think there's a lot of recruiting? Are there like some bushy funds or businesses that are recruiting from there? Well, I know actually the reason I came to uh Taiwan is 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 it because uh, well originally um, I I had a friend who went to Korea and so mm-hmm. I, I kind of first gave me he, actually he we were working for the same newspaper he was a pressman uh, right. and uh, he would go to he, he went to, this is 1996 uh, mm-hmm. yeah 95 96 uh, there was a big layoff at the paper I worked for it was, it was bought out and they, and they they squeezed the staff and about 89 okay. of us got laid off mm-hmm. and. Uh, one of the guys went to Korea to teach, and that's kind of got the bug. And then, but then, 
you know, the financial crisis of Asia, right. Asian financial crisis. And I want to go to Korea now. Mm-hmm. I won't make any money. So, but then yeah. I saw him in Vancouver. I was living in Vancouver because uh, I, I moved to, I moved from Saskatchewan back to Vancouver. And then mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, there's a lot of Taiwanese in Vancouver. Yes. And uh, you'd see ads in the, in the, in the classified ads in, mm-hmm. in the papers, you know, come to Taiwan, teach, and they, they, they give you a salary. Oh, that's not too bad. You know, have an adventure. And that's what brought me to Taiwan. You know, I've yeah. been here a couple of years and, and uh, make some money, see the world, and then go back. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think Taiwan's changed I mean, the time that you've been there? Because you've been there for over 20 years. So yeah. What... Well, it's interesting. Uh, it's definitely the politics have changed, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I was here, it was an interesting time because it was just around the election of Chen Shui-bian. And right. uh, I mean, you know, you had Lee Dong Wei as the president before that, and mm-hmm. before that, and of course, I was, you know, I wasn't uh, here at that time. But then you had the KMT, you know, monopoly, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you want to put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a nice way to say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then all of a sudden, you had this upstart, you know, Chen Shui Bian coming in. And I remember there was a poster. I was uh, my landlady had this poster. I was renting mm-hmm. a place in Shenzhen uh, mm-hmm. in, in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it had a, it was kind of funny. They were all playing guitar. They're all musicians. And there was like uh, Lee Dung, uh, Lee Dung, no, not, it wasn't Lee Dung Wei. It was, uh, oh, it was the other candidate, was James Lian Song. Lian Zhan. Lian Zhan, right, right. Who was the other, who was the, who was the, uh, the candidate for the KMT. And then, yeah. uh, but James Song wanted to be the candidate for the KMT. So he went on yeah. his own and, and formed right. his own party. And, and that, mm-hmm. that created a three-way split. Mm-hmm. Chen Shui-bian came up the middle and he became, mm-hmm. that was a big deal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you had the DPP coming into power. Yeah, That was pretty momentous. Uh, yes. And then, of course, now, you know, DPP's mainstream. They're back in, they're, you know, after the scandal with Chen Shui-bian. Then Mind Zhou came, came in with the KMT. Uh, and then, and then uh, now we have Tsai Ing-wen, you know, so... You know, it's a, it's a, it's now it's sort of almost like a Western style swing, you know, election system. You know, you get the Democrats and the and the, right. and the Republicans. Here you get the DPP and the and the and the KMT. Um, so the KM, uh, so I think the KMT is hoping to get back into power, but the last election they didn't do very well. You know, of course, transportation's changed a lot. When, uh, the MRT, the subway system, is really, really, really developed. Uh, I don't need a car. Uh, we have a car. My wife drives it. I don't mm-hmm. like to drive in Taiwan. Okay. Uh, I'm a, more of a safer, safer-minded kind of guy, and uh-huh. uh, so I don't like to drive. But I, you know, I can take tax. I, I, I usually take the MRT, the subway, because yeah. it's so it's so mm-hmm. extensive here. Yes. Yeah, driving is a whole thing in Taiwan for people yeah. who are not no familiar. Thanks. No thanks. Yeah, I don't know if I would have the nerves for that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just, and plus, you know, my frustration level would, would just go through the roof. And now for a short break. Hello, listeners. We're going to be experimenting with some shorter form content, under 20 minutes long. And we'd like to hear from you. Would you like to listen to shorter episodes? What would you like to hear more of or less of? Email us at podcast at talkingtaiwan.com. We also have a special announcement for all of our donors, past, present, and future. We're giving all of our donors exclusive first listening access to upcoming interviews with Karen Lin, Democratic candidate for Justice of the Civil Court in Queens, New York. Chin Chi Yang, 
a multidisciplinary artist who was recently inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame. Michelle Kuo, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick, which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. Ed Lin, author of Death Doesn't Forget, and Joe Henley, author of Migrante. If you want exclusive access to these episodes and more, support Talking Taiwan by making a contribution to our GoFundMe campaign. We are so grateful for our growing listenership and all the support that we've been receiving. Now, back to the episode. It sounds like you're still going to the pub quiz nights because you. Not, no, not mentioned. lately. Haven't gone oh, for a long lately. time. No, oh, okay. no, not because of oh, the, okay. you know, no. Uh, because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't go there now. No. Okay. Yeah. Some people might, you know, I mean, there's, there's a yeah. people of two mind, you know, there's, there's, there's sure. a situation there. You, you get people, oh, we got to live with it. And, you know, you hear people going out and still living their lives regularly and going yeah. to parties and big events and, you know, yeah. those big parties, yeah. those beach parties and things. And you see it on Facebook, but then you have other people. Yeah. And then my, well, my wife, you know, I saw sort of respecting my wife's wishes. And we have a, we have sure. a nine year old daughter too. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's probably best to, mm-hmm. to avoid that. Yeah, to be more on the side of caution. I don't know when, but hopefully, you know, in the next several months, maybe sometime. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I certainly understand that. It had it not been like COVID or relatively recently, you you were still doing that. Before. Yeah, up until up until yeah. the big uh, the, yeah. the big uh, Zoom yeah. of of, uh, of cases. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, couple, a month ago or so. Yeah. Did you still have that team that um, you mentioned in the interview, the three oh. stooges? <laughs> yeah, no, people come and go. Uh, a, lot, <laughs> a lot of the good people that we've had have gone. Uh, there's me and Rick. <laughs> That's about <laughs> it. And, you know, we get replacements and other, other right, good people. Right. Um, but, but uh, no, the guy, yeah. I, the guy that I started with, uh, an Irish guy, really mm-hmm. a fun Irish guy, he... Uh, he left a long time ago to go to a business school in, uh, oh, okay. in uh, Ireland and haven't seen him, haven't heard from him since, but, uh, yeah. uh no. So are yeah. you one of those people that's really into trivia? Like you like yeah. those uh, trivia oh, games? Oh yeah, I've got a Beatles trivia pursuit game. That's because oh, I'm a Beatles really? fan too. Yeah. I saw it, I oh. saw it in the, on one of my trips back to uh, Canada, the Vancouver area. And, uh, Oh, I, I love all kinds of trivia. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the um, documentary of Get Back? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Saw the first one, and then uh, haven't seen the second and third episode because mm-hmm. I've been trying to uh, make it a. a we've got Disney Plus here, and uh, invite yes. some friends, and yeah. you know, just, so we saw we we saw the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about three, four weeks ago or so now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but we haven't been able to arrange a second one. Partly. Yeah. Well. Not so much a COVID because it'd be a small group, but mainly because other people are on trips or they're sure. Or, the so it might be a while before we see two and three. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely. Uh, I'm gonna. We're gonna uh, eventually watch the two and the, thir- and the and the episode two, episode three of it. Yeah. I know that you mentioned that um, at the time of the interview, the first interview that you were working on English learning magazines. I think that's yeah. something that's quite popular in Taiwan. I, I don't know about other um, Asian countries or whatever. And uh, I 
I know it reminds me of when I was in Taiwan seeing those in the bookstores and the very popular one was Let's Talk in English. Oh, yeah. Are those still around? I think they are. I think yeah. Let's Talk might have been AMC, American Magazine Company or something they call them. I think mm -hmm. that might be that. I believe it is still around, although I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. The one that I work for is called, uh, well, it's Ivy Analytical Publishing is the company, mm -hmm. but they yeah. have they have – uh, enjoy English, which is sort of an intermediate okay. level, and they also have uh, Ivy Analytical English, which is the okay. upper level, uh, upper intermediate advanced levels. And mm -hmm. yeah, I've been working there part time. Uh, wow, since about 2010. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty good company, uh, good good boss. Very Peter Lai is uh, the uh, the owner of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Very successful mm -hmm. business. They have a lot of. Um, a lot of their market is uh, high school. Uh, well, there's students. I'm not sure if they're high school or college or both. Or mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I, I don't do, have anything to do with the with the sales side of it. But I know they have sales yeah. people go like to. Sure. You know, and, and same with the other companies as well. They they also target those that market as well. But yeah. I, I think they're doing well. They have a pretty fair sized staff. Yeah. And they, I work yeah. for their publishing. They they also publish books. And, oh, okay. You know, like, uh, you know, like vocabulary books. books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, text. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. or just like um, vocabulary books you might buy, or mm -hmm. uh, you know, conversations and uh, mm -hmm. test preparations. You know, like GPT, mm -hmm. TOEFL, mm -hmm. TOEIC. I'm kind of also curious to know, like, how has ICRT changed over time? Because you've been there, you know, on and off for the last twenty years as well. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, more. Well, I'm I'm pretty isolated now. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let me talk to the other people. No, no. I'm <laughs> yeah, just joking. But because I'm there on Saturday, the only people there, uh, uh, the only yeah. person usually there is the weekend DJ, who is now mm -hmm. Erica, nice, nice woman. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she's only there like in the afternoons. Um, <clears throat> and I don't really have too much contact with her because she's in a different studio. I see. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes maybe the program director, Joseph Lynn, will be there doing some preparation. So I'll just say hi to him. But and then the cleaners, you know, uh, and sometimes they might have a remote and they'll, uh, they do, might do a remote uh, audio thing. And, and then uh, they might have some technician people, production people. But, you know, most of the time I'm there and maybe the, the DJ is there. But, you know, and it, but I don't have much interaction. So I'm kind of, I, I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I might hear gossip here and there, but you know, I, I, I'm often the last to know of anything. Um uh, Unless it's in a company email, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, but you know, it's nice to have the freedom too. I just wonder if you how it, how it's different or how it's changed. And oh. I do know that uh, Rick had <clears throat> produced a series about ICRT and the impact yeah. that it had on Taiwan's well, yeah. culture and society. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I got there in two thousand. Um, and I was there full time, so I had a pretty good insight to what was going on then. Um, but I would always hear about how the glory days of ICRT, you know, back in the 80s and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 20, 10, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, at one time, you know, before the Internet and, and before martial law yeah. was lifted, I mean, mm -hmm. ICRT was 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 the the window to the world for for Taiwanese. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh, as you know, under uh, Chiang Kai-shek, um, mm -hmm. you know, everything was pretty tight, tightly controlled, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, the internet, you know, once that happened, you know, it opened up the world, right, to, to Taiwanese. Yeah. But before mm -hmm. that, ICRT was was a big 
thing, right? And and uh, it was it was revered as far as I could tell, you know, as as wow, you know, it's like ICRT, and of course, you know, by the time I got there, that had faded, faded, faded a lot, mm-hmm. um, but it was still, you know, uh, a viable concern and whatnot, and um, but under threats, of course, by you know from sure. other media and and right. of course the internet. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's a free country now, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and the, and the relevance of radio in general, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, so revenues, you know, listenership has sure. gone down for radio stations sure. and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, ad revenue is, is declined and well, same a lot thing. Of different media market, has been but... affected. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're hanging like... on, you know, they're doing okay. Uh, yeah. but you know, it, it's, uh. I think radio is a tough business these days. Um, and, you know, they've, I remember when I got there, uh, I, I remember I, I went to the station <clears throat> back in, uh, after, shortly after I, I, I arrived in Taiwan, just to see if there were any jobs. And um, they didn't hire me then because they didn't have any positions. And then, um, and then they had to do a massive, well, not massive maybe, but they did a lot of layoffs uh, about mm-hmm. maybe, less than a year after that they, they did oh, a lot wow. of cutbacks be, this would be uh-huh. early 2000 now that they did the cutbacks i guess and then and then they and then they did so many cutbacks to save money they found they needed they they, they fired too many people i guess or <laughs> too many people off so they put an ad in the paper in the type <laughs> times and i so i answered the ad and, and then, then i got the job um so their staff from the early days is is quite quite a bit cut um and i think they did some cuts i remember they did some cuts after that too so like mm-hmm. after i left in 2004 they, right. they so it was already a reduced staff that they hired some back but it was still reduced mm-hmm. and then i forget what year it was but they did some more cuts and uh, that's at that time a few people got cut i remember uh some of them got brought got brought back too oh, like okay. they cut ron stewart actually i remember that and that was a uh-huh. big deal i remember when ron mm-hmm. got cut and they were going to cut Joseph Lynn too, but they, but they oh, decided not oh. to cut him. Uh, Stevie G got cut and he was away for a long time too. Uh-huh. And then, so he, but now he's back and Ron, Ron's back in a capacity as well. Uh, and uh, so it's a smaller staff and, and, the, and the reporting staff is smaller. I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, if you compare it with the early days, it's, it's mm-hmm. a shadow of, of that, but sure. uh, that's, you know, you can't compete, right. With a bigger staff right. and you had more right. relevance, right. right. Um, they've got their audience. Um, mm-hmm. they've, they've got their advertisers. They've got their audience. They've got their niche mm-hmm. niche. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, I guess like any radio station to a large degree is not like the old days. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will have to, I have reached out to Rick and I would like to talk to him, especially since he's produced that series about the glory yeah. days of ICRT. Rich I did give it a listen eligible. and I recommend it to people. It's really, really interesting to think about the times and the impact that it had. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think at one time it was really uh, a valuable resource and, and really looked up to and admired. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. At one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to people who are thinking about considering moving to Taiwan or going working in Taiwan? Um, do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> find out, find out, you know, I mean, a lot of people come here to teach. Right. Yes. Um, 
and there's a, I think there's a great variety in 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 the sense of uh, good bosses and bad bosses and whatnot. Um, you know, find out, go on the internet, maybe chat with some people, uh, find out what the good schools are, find out what you need to do to get a, a, a ARC alien residence certificate. Um, that would be one thing to do. Um, and you know, there are opportunities for writers like, like I'm doing a lot of writing and, and there's that as well. So, um, without, without, you know, if, unless you have some, you know, tech skills or skills in another area, you're going to be probably be doing either, you know, a lot of what I do, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is the writing or the, or the teaching. Um, for me, teaching what kind kids, of writing do you do? Mostly these days I do article writing for like, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, let's talk, you know, I don't do for them, mm-hmm. but like for Ivy, right. you know, right. uh, so it'll, it'll be a lot like journalism, right? So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do, I'll do an article, but you know, I'll, I'll have to gear it to, to the level I'm writing for. Is it a, is it an upper intermediate, which is pretty close to, you know, I mean, you could pretty well do a, a regular, almost if it's advanced, uh, uh-huh. uh, for advanced learners, it's pretty much like a journalist article anyway. Um, of course, if it's, uh, intermediate level you got to you got to tone the language down you got to make it simpler sure. and whatnot sure. um and you know a lot of it's also test preparation test gpt you know practice stuff and, mm-hmm. and whatnot so that's that's mostly the writing I, I i've been doing um you know it's definitely available and out there and uh whatnot i haven't really done much journalism here um mm-hmm. Do you miss yeah, that? It's harder to do. It's harder to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I've done journalism, so I kind of already done that. But uh, I guess I just haven't had the push to push myself to do more of it. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's difficult to do journalism there, or perhaps you sound like you have a lot of things going on? So I do have a lot of things going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I haven't really, like I say, gone out of my way to, you know, because uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, mean, I always found journalism a little hard anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, even when I was in my own language, you know, as a professional journalist. What, uh, what do you think is hard about it? There's a stress. There's a stress to it. Um, stress. Deadlines. Mm. You got deadlines. You got, okay. uh, you got you to ask the hard questions, right? So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I, I got pretty good at asking the hard questions, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's tough. You know, you're talking to a cop and he doesn't want to talk to you, you know. Oh, uh, sure. I've had cops, you know, yelling at me, get out, get the hell out of here. Uh, you talk to a mother, father, whose kid has died. Yeah. Uh, you know, emotionally it's going to be a little tough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always uh, tried to do my best. and, and uh, uh, But I always thought, you know, it's hard enough in your own language. Uh, yeah. So I really want to push myself and try it in another language. And, right. And even with a, even if I had a translator with me, it's, it's, it's really time consuming. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I got to take my hat off and admire the people that do it. And uh, especially, you know, if they don't use a translator, it's like, uh, I, yeah. I'm actually, oh, that's pretty another impressed. level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually pretty impressed. And I say, well, better, better person than I am in that regard. I think, you know, I always admire, foreigners or they call us all foreigners why goran yeah, yeah um i always admire foreigners that can read you know and, and i know yeah. some of my friends can do that i just how yes. did they do that so well you know a lot but, of you know, time and dedication 
<laughs> or, yeah, or some people just pick it up faster. I don't know. Yeah, yeah aptitude, yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to thank you so much okay. for coming back and letting us know what you've been up to. Sure. And, uh, you know, sharing your experience. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, well, uh, happy to, to talk to you. And uh, uh, yeah, it, I, I usually I was usually the one interviewing people. So being interviewed is kind of a different experience for me. So it's not bad. Right. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I've been speaking with Brian Foden, a writer, editor, and part-time newscaster at ICRT. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.